Left. Right. Yo, what is up? So this is going to be an interesting episode. I feel as if I might be pissing some people off, but really, I'm, my goal is to have a conversation around making people stronger and more tolerant and just people living better lives through not getting pissed off about everything. I don't know. You, listen to the episode. Listen to the podcast. Let me know on the other end what you guys think. Shoot me a message. Throw some comments out there. I'm curious your opinion on my opinion. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. <laughs> Cheers. 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 This is episode 93 of Stip Talk. My name is Justin DiGiulio, joined by James the Bosnator Boswell. I am just outside of Manhattan in New Jersey, and James is in warm and toasty Charleston, South Carolina. What's the weather down there? Today like it was today? like low 80s, and it's getting down to like 55 or 60 at night. It's pretty perfect, actually. Holy shit. Yeah, that was our high for the day, I think. It was 50-something? Yeah, something like that. I don't know. I don't um, no, April and October are the two best months in Charleston. Yeah, that that I remember. Um, we're getting there. We're almost there here in uh, in the city. Um, so look, I brought up uh, the fact we're going to be talking about feelings tonight. I feel like I'm going to piss a lot of people off, but <laughs> um, my. My general thinking in, ter in terms of putting this together was, was really that your feelings don't matter. Um, what happened today to prompt this? You know, <laughs> I, I don't want to get too, too much into it. No, you have uh, to. That's, well, that's the I, whole yeah, point. Yeah, but I don't want to get into, into, into too many details. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so look, so, you know, we moved out uh, to Jersey and buying – a lot of new stuff, doing some major renovations. We got a decent deal, but I know there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Also, moving out of a 750 square foot apartment in Manhattan into a four bedroom, three bathroom house. There's like a lot of stuff that's got to happen out here. Either way, how many square uh, feet? I don't have any idea. A lot. I'm in a, the basement's huge. Uh, I'm in the basement right now. Um, Does the, the basement weekend, count towards square footage of the house? I, I don't have any idea. You're a real estate agent. You should know these things. Well, it, I mean, I guess if it's a finished basement, they would count it. Um, but uh, I'm not counting it. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer for this particular place. Didn't matter. I saw the house. I liked it. But look, so renovating the kitchen. I told you we gutted the kitchen, right? Yep. And the kitchen had a door to the backyard and a small window in it. And it was next door to the dining room. So I took the wall down between the dining room in the kitchen. I think I showed you that. Mm -hmm. Now, what I did over the weekend was I put a giant hole in the side of the house. <laughs> so I took the door off the side of the house. I, I knocked out the door frame. I took the window out of the side of the house and then I jacked up the house, the second floor of the house. And um, I had to frame a window and put like uh, these big boards as headers and then some support boards because I'm taking out the fucking egg. Uh, taking out a structural wall. So I did that over the weekend. Very exciting. New refrigerator is supposed to come yesterday. Now, because of the pandemic and stuff like that, apparently there's a lot of back order on like cabinets and appliances, lots of furniture. It's been tougher to get. So this particular refrigerator matches the uh, ovens and the dishwasher and the rest of the house. So kind of, we already bought the other appliances. So this particular refrigerator being the matching refrigerator is the one we need. It like fell off the truck yesterday. They told me, they told me they were loading the truck. They were loading the truck with the refrigerator and it was damaged beyond use. So, I mean, the only thing I can imagine is like they were hoisting it onto the truck and it fell off. Um, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, so that was frustrating yesterday. They told me it was going to be a 40-day wait time on a new refrigerator at least because they're all on back order. Well, better um, buy some ice. Oh, shit. Luckily, actually, I uh, 
I canceled that order. They sent a refund and uh, I was able to get a new refrigerator delivered today. So that was cool. Um, so that was good news. Um, but <laughs> it's just been a rocky week. And, and this is where like feelings kind of come into it because I feel like a lot of people would be like frustrated and really butthurt with a lot of stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm on the train in the city this morning and um, I get a call. We got a lease signing at 10. It's 936. Uh, all right, hold up. I think uh, we're just making sure we're online here. So so look, so I'm, I'm in transit in the city. Uh, it's 936. We have a lease signing in uh, outside of Manhattan. So if anybody knows what it's like living in Manhattan, most people don't have cars. So the destination for the lease signing is the landlord's office, which is in like Westchester. So it's roughly 40 minutes north of the city. So either you have to take an expensive ass Uber to get there, or you have to find somebody with a car, or borrow a car, or something like that. Can't take Metro North. I don't maybe, but then you would still need to get an Uber from there to the location of the office. Okay, why so such an inconvenient location? I have no idea. That's just the way they do business. It drives me fucking insane that I have to like orchestrate this with clients just to get a lease signed when it's 2021. There's landlords that are doing e-signing, digital signing, things like that. We still, I told you this before, we still fax applications in some cases. So it's just wild. Um, so clients, it's 24 minutes before the signing. So you know they're probably there already. They're probably parked and like waiting for the signing. Landlord calls me and said, hey, I was just typing the lease up. And I noticed that because this is a rent regulated apartment, the guy has a mortgage. And the law says that you can't have a mortgage on a place and be renting a, a rent stabilized apartment. So unfortunately I have to kill the deal. Now, the <laughs> dude, the shit storm that was unleashed from these clients, rightfully so. And we were all, we were approved a week ago and we had to set up and orchestrate the signing. So like the clients are like, you know, I'm sure the clients have already like orchestrated their move. They're planning on picking up keys today. They're already packed up. Mm -hmm. So I, <laughs> um, is the landlord going to have to, pay for any of this inconvenience well so here's where my dilemma is as the broker is that i now have to negotiate these things i can tell the landlord hey dickhead fuck you you owe us and the landlord's gonna say well i don't really owe you anything but you can argue with me and then we'll just never do business again well i would say that you'd have a pretty strong court case with promissory estoppel sure sure for a couple grand which is not worth the fucking time but at the end of the day, I will no longer do business with that landlord because he just won't want to do business with me. I wouldn't want to do business with a guy that leaves me hanging out to dry 20 minutes before a lease signing. Do you know the amount of people that I don't want to do business with that I have to? You know, we make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year from some accounts where, you know, I wouldn't want to have lunch with somebody. That's, you know, at the end of the day, though, they're nice apartments. And for the most part, people move in there. They're very happy there. It's just some people are very difficult to deal with in general. So that's where my, my issue is. Like I can, I can create a big issue here and get my way and win, but it's ultimately a loss for me. So that's, you know, we had to clean that up a little bit. What did you uh, do? Well, we're trying to find, you know, we talked them down. They know it's not really our fault, but they're not happy. And ultimately at the end of the day, there needs to be a solution. And I would like to be involved in that solution rather than them go and rent with somebody else. Well, of course. So but what are you going to do about the landlord? Because it's shitty behavior. Just make sure that that doesn't happen again, because ultimately he was right. I, I wasn't aware of this law. Um, and moving forward, you know, just make sure that doesn't happen again. Dot all the I's, cross all the T's, and hopefully we make some money. You know, that's, that's what you got to do. Like I said, I, you know, I deal with a lot of people that I get very frustrated with dealing with often, but that's doing business. And it's especially doing business in Manhattan. You're dealing with lots of different people, lots of different backgrounds. My so feelings, feelings are coming with this. Well, it was a frustrating thing to start off with. And then when I came into the office today, well, before I came into the office today, I got wind that one agent sent a message to the other agent kind of trash talking that other agent to their face, given the, the, the agent who sent the message was right, but 
it's just very brash and abrasive and piss the other person off. So now I have to deal with both people who are both pissed off with each other. And it's, it's mostly because their feelings were hurt because they had expectations of the other person that weren't met. And now, you know, it's just kind of this tippy toe line that I have to walk. And I think a lot of people think solutions to that are a lot easier than they are. But again, just like dealing with this landlord, I can tell the landlord to go fuck himself and he's wrong and he needs to make it right. And then we never do business together. And I can send people home and fire them because they're in bad moods and they're mean people, but, or they're, you know, not great agents slash employees, but then I don't get any more. I don't do business with these guys anymore. So, you know, if I fire everybody that I don't like the way they do business, then I don't have a business. So I, I was just instantly dealing with clients who were really upset, which is an emotion. It's a feeling. And, you know, whether they placed it on me or the landlord, they had every right to place it anywhere because they were just pissed and we were delivering the bad news and they needed a solution. And then going into the office, dealing with two different people's feelings that, you know, it just made me think about how much your feelings don't matter and how people get so fucking worked up in their feelings. Um, and that's, that's kind of what got me started here. Cause on the train ride home, I was, you know, the thing is like, when I start dealing with somebody else, I really kind of match their attitude and their energy and going into that, I started to match some of their energy. And that was very frustrating for me because I wanted to work out and come to a solution in that moment even though I, I knew in the back of my head that it wasn't something that was going to be worked out. And the only way to work it out is either, you know, basically that these guys need to understand that the world doesn't revolve around them. And that's just how the world works. You know, they were, they were both right and wrong. So the one the was right to be pissed. Ah, shit. Uh, the, the agents. Yeah. Uh, one, I wasn't sure one, if you were still talking about the landlord and the tenants that got shafted or the agents that got into a tiff. Yeah, well, um, but look, I gotta, I gotta take my mind off that for a little bit because even just kind of articulating what happened is frustrating for me. Um, and other news, what are you drinking, by the way? I'm drinking the finest box wine and a bush ice. What is it, the Franzia, Franzia box wine? No, 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 it's a step above that. Good, good for you. And uh, and a what? A Stella, you said, or Bush? What was it? No, Bush Ice. Stella's terrible beer. Mm. Never been a big fan of Stella. Stella is the most overrated beer. Um, yeah, I would. Say, <laughs> I used to. <laughs> um, now that I live in Jersey, but I used to call it Jersey piss water, even though it's um, a nice Italian beer. Nice in Italian my beer, but no, I, no, it's Belgian. Is it? Oh, okay. Well, all right. So, but that's where that kind of Jersey Shore. So in, in, my, in my ranking of overrated beers, there's a top three. Stella's at the top, Guinness is second, and Heineken is third. Ooh. And this is overrated beers. It's not okay, that they're yeah. the worst beers. There, there, are wow. better, there are worse beers than these, but the, like, the worst beers are way cheaper and don't have the reputation of being a good beer. But I don't, I don't see anybody giving hype to Guinness. I love Guinness. I don't see anybody giving me a hype. They're like, oh, you drink that? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice beer. I was, I was going to drink one tonight. Guinness is overrated. I don't people think anybody think rates it. better than it is. Well, nah. the, you think? I think people don't, don't drink it. I, actually, I'll, I, I'll tell you, it's, not, it's probably not a great beer. There are better stouts. There, there. And, uh, pretty much any stout is better than Guinness. Yes, exactly. But I think a lot of people... Therefore are, overrated. But I don't think people rate it. And, and it's a very available stout. Um, all right, so look, either way, high point of my day, and then we'll get into some feelings. I'm browsing the Facebook marketplace because now I'm looking for, I'm, I got a lot of furniture to buy, a lot of stuff to buy. Um, but I happened to stumble across a Triumph Spitfire on the Facebook marketplace. 1980, it's a classic green. I, sh I shared it with Rosh earlier today. Classic uh, green car. And uh, I'm a big fan of Triumph. You know how much it was selling for? 1980. 7,500. Three grand. Probably doesn't run. No, it did. It did. Probably doesn't run well. <laughs> so it looked to me like it was just a woman who, who just wanted to get rid of the car. And she sold it the same day. So she actually never answered me. And it was, it was listed as, uh, as sold a few hours later. But 
but then I went down this line of like pricing out Triumph. Triumph for anybody who's listening or watching, I have a Triumph motorcycle. This is a Triumph car. They're they're completely different brands, both British brands. I, maybe in, in the past at some point they were the same company. I don't, James. You know anything about that? No, I don't think they were though. Um, but there's really no correlation these days. Triumph was a classic British sporty type small car kind of like mg mg is what i was going to say yeah um, but i have a bit of a tie to triumph the car because way before i ever owned a triumph motorcycle do you remember the triumph tr3 that i had yeah which never ran and we gradually took further and further apart until we got way above our heads and didn't know how to put it back together <laughs> disassembly is much easier <laughs> than assembly so yeah, there are a lot who, of spare parts so for anybody who doesn't know anything about this this story of this triumph tr3 uh, my father was younger he used to work on this car with his father his father passed away my father went and lived on his, his life and put this car at my grandmother's house so it sat kind of in the back of my grandmother's house covered with a tarp for the majority of my life my father passed away and then my grandmother passed away a few years after that. And I think it was when she passed away, the car was, when they sold her, her home, the car was brought over to my house and it sat at my house for a while. And then we had the great idea we were going to restore it. Now, it's a classic British car from the 50s or 60s, but it has been sitting outside covered with a tarp, kind of damp and wet and full of rust. <laughs> So this car was worth very little. It was kind of a rusty pilot, lousy, non-working car parts, and it had two engines. So at some point, we decided we were going to restore it, started taking things apart, realizing literally nothing on this thing was salvageable. The, I think at some point in time, I, maybe it did run. I don't know. but I never not, saw it run. Not, no, not in, my, not in my lifetime, or at least my adult lifetime. But I think my mom may have had the interior replaced for my father, probably before I was born. So the interior was in nice shape, but the mechanics of the car, not in very good shape. Um, I think we cleaned it. We armor, it was so rusty. I think we armor all the exterior of the car, which is not, not. A, yeah. A, but I remember us like taking out, like we, we were able to get as far down as taking like the engine block off. We weren't able to take like the full engine out, but we took like the head off. Yeah, yeah, and it was thinking that we could replace it, and we, you know, if the we really engine put, block was just rust. Yeah, everything was rusted. It would have everything needed to be replaced. There, no, no seals, gaskets were any good. So you know, if we had, I think if we had money back then, we probably could have done something to it. We may have, may have been able to get an engine to turn over by replacing the parts, a couple thousand bucks, but we didn't. I had a great idea to sell it on eBay, and a guy in France bought it. Do you remember the story? I remember you got way more money than you should have for it. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. It, it sold for like six grand and the guy paid me and he sent a car shipping service over, picked it up and hauled it out. And I never heard from the guy again. I, I did find out uh, afterwards that my mom reached out to the guy. Somehow she got his information. My mom is a very kind hearted person and offered to refund him some money if the car wasn't up to up to his standards because he bought it from a how old were we 16 17 years old probably i feel like you sold it when we were like 18 or 19 yeah yeah my but my i think it had to be before 18 because my mom reached out to this guy saying that she would she'd refund him some money which i don't believe that she did but uh but that was a definite win at, at that point in time but yeah so i got a little little bit of a tie to the triumph and now i, I went down this wormhole where i'm like following these cars like fuck if i can if i can score a car for a couple of grand that's even it needs some work that could be like a nice passion project um, plus i'm driving this beat up old pickup truck so it would be nice to have something a little more agile all right so let's get into the feelings thing let's try and get let's try and get something that we can get some comments on as well all right, we can interact all right. a little bit but yeah. i think it's it's really easy to say that feelings don't matter when you don't have them <laughs> Well, the, you, what was your comment? So when I told you we were going to be talking about feelings, what was your comment to me? Was it two people on the spectrum talking about how feelings don't matter? Exactly. But um, so we're not really the best ambassadors here. Um, well, but but we still have feelings, you know. And 
And what, what I was thinking when I was trying to frame this discussion was, was just that, is it better to be logic driven or emotion driven? So you can still have feelings, emotions, but if you're driven by them, is that superior to being driven by logic? Well, there's the answer I want to give, and then there's probably the real answer. Okay. The answer that I want to give is that it's better to be logic driven because then you're going to be making the most rational and optimal decisions at all times. However, when you do that, um, and I don't remember the name of this, this study, but there was a psychological study where they basically had people watch behaviors of other people. So like a video of somebody behaving in a scenario or whatever. And so one of the series of videos was of somebody basically acting only on logic the entire time. So okay. they'd have like some people that were very emotional, some people that were extremely logical, and then probably like something in the middle. But when they had people observe the person who was acting purely on logic, all of the people that were watching and rating the personality traits or whatever rated the person as like a psychopath. <laughs> well, that's because that's that to me seems much more psychopathic. Well, it is. And so because the you're question not experiencing is, like, is, yeah, is behaving purely on logic and reason the best way to go through life? And I would like to say yes, because that's generally how I go about things. But the answer is no. The answer is you can't act purely on logic. But that's, and, you're gauging this off what other people are saying in the study. Well, who, got for, who got further in life? The, the other answer, well, the other extreme of going purely off of emotion and feelings all the time leads to making really poor decisions because you're not considering the full ramification of your actions. So the answer is somewhere in the middle, which is exactly. you have to let feelings guide some of your actions and you have to let logic guide other parts of your actions. And you have to be smart enough to know which situation you're in and which lane you're supposed to pick. Sure. I agree with you there. For me. And the skill comes in figuring out which lane you're supposed to be in. Well, for me in running a business, dealing with other people's emotions has been because I can, for the most part, I'm able to kind of logically decide what's the best decision here, but I have to deal with other people's emotions. And that's, that's what's very frustrating for me. I feel like I have a pretty good gauge in terms of my own logic and emotions and making decisions that, you know, that I feel are the better, you know, of the influence decisions, whether it's influenced by logic or emotion, but it's, it's dealing with other people's emotions that I find to be very, very frustrating. So Gabriel the Campos says very few people are logic driven. The majority get caught up with emotion. I think she's right. Um, and that's why, like, when you see someone acting purely on logic, and if you want to think like the extreme, think Rain Man. <laughs> yes. Um, where that's, that's pure logic, and you're just like, you, you can't live your life that way, and you can't live your life around people that live that way. Well, because you, it's, it's untenable. But you have to have some emotion, emotional intuition and some empathy. Rain Man for, didn't. Yeah, but, you, but, but again, I, you know, do you think decisions that are predominantly which what angle do you want that needle leaning towards emotion or towards logic for me i think logic for me logic too and there's been times in my life where i've been in a situation and like i've been in a logical mindset i'm like oh wait a second I, like this is not i need to deal with feelings here like I, and i, I have to like... kind of fake it and i'm just like all right like logically how do i approach feelings I fuck it up. <laughs> but I feel like I, I, I feel like sometimes I walk you in that direction. I'm like, dude, you, you need to you know, step back from the logical answer here. And, yeah. And, but, but I mean, just, but my thinking is like, you know, ext more extreme situations like breakups or fights, things like that, where people are just purely reacting to emotion and, and, and it's not getting them anywhere moving forward. And I feel like emotions hold people back and are very self-destructive for people. And obviously, you want to act on some emotion. We're not, I'm not arguing that emotions are entirely bad, but I'm saying the majority of people who are acting on emotions are acting irrationally in, in the sense of against logic. Well, yeah, you can think of emotion as kind of, kind of the opposite of logic in a lot of times. 
Well, yeah. And, and today I got involved in the situation and I realized that I was getting very frustrated. And I, I, I literally sent a text to the agents and said, we'll talk about this later today. We'll talk about this later. We'll talk about this later because I cannot have a conversation. I started to have a conversation with, there ended up being like three or four people involved. Like it was this fucking waterfall cascade of shit that fucking came over the walls of my office this morning. Um, but I took two of, two of the people that were most involved, had them sit down in my office. And, and the thing is when you're dealing with other people who are emotional also, they're entirely closed off to any logic that you have. So I'm in an emotional state trying to shed some logic, logical light on what's going on. And my logic is being interfered with and they're not open to my logic. Well, that's why when you've got people that are in a really agitated state, like trying to engage really in any capacity whatsoever is fruitless. So the best thing to do is like give them time to exit that state. So if you've got these agents or whatever that are both super emotional or whatever, you'd be like, you know what? Both of you take the day off. Let's meet tomorrow when everyone's cooled off. Sure. I just don't want them to take the day off. <laughs> or, well, yeah, but the point is, like, all right. But you know, no, I mean, something if, that you if mentioned... it's for the best, if it's for the best, you know, obviously. Sorry, go ahead. There was something you mentioned that I want to throw out to the chat. Um, I'm going to ask the question. And I'm going to give my answer, but I want to see what chat has to say on this one as well. Which is, And you you guys who are watching and listening to us live, uh, feel free to throw your comments out there, especially if you're on Instagram. Uh, if you're on TikTok, we're not able to monitor all the comments real time. But if you're on Instagram watching us live, uh, we have Rashed, who is watching and feeding us the comments through our screen because we're doing a great job by the way but the question i want to ask is you're talking about breaking up and the emotion that goes in there and the question i want to ask is why do people stay in relationships that they know they shouldn't be in that's a that's not exactly where i was thinking in that in the relationship uh you know point but But, relationship angle but that's a really good point because that i think is but sometimes even on a logical level people psych themselves out of right but hold on think about this if you're in a relationship that you know you shouldn't be in logically you think there's all these negatives here that this this relationship is not making me better i don't like being around this person a lot of the time we get in fights all the time and it's making my life worse yet i don't break up with them why does that happen i think there's a lot of fear which i think is a negative emotion um I, you know, it blondes have more fun agrees with me. Everyone needs to step back and deal later talking about your office situation. Yeah, but take but, the day off. Let's talk tomorrow. Yeah, um, exactly. But I mean, but relationships here, here's when it comes to arguments in relationships, which I, I believe are mostly you and I, James, we argue all the time. We don't argue in this fire and fury type way. But we have different points and we don't see eye to eye on things. And I think we do a really good job at discussing it and seeing each other's points. Well, that's because it's not emotion. It's like for you and me, argumentation is kind of a game. It's it's kind of logic. And it's cool to be wrong in an argument with you because I usually learn something. Now, have you I, learned I, to get your vaccine yet? <laughs> no, not yet. But I'm much more open to the idea. I did a lot of reflecting after that episode. I'm like, fuck, you know, I, I need, this is this is like one of those things I got to do. But we're we're making progress, albeit slow. So, um, but what what I'm getting at is people in relationships. When people argue in relationships, they 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 say things that like you just that you just it's okay if you're in traffic. Like fuck you is okay in traffic, but it's not okay to the person that you need to be in a loving relationship that you're probably going to see again. Uh, (laughs) Like giving somebody the finger in traffic and meaning like really fuck you, like that's. (laughs) Uh, I actually had on my, on my ride to the train this morning and I, it was all in my head. This woman was driving slow. She stopped at a yellow light. The, the light br- instantly turned red and then green arrow. So she stopped at this yellow light and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then it turned green. So like, I was so mad. I did. I lightly, I didn't lay on the horn. I just double tapped the horn beep beep and she moved, but obviously the light turned green and then she drove slow as shit to the exact same parking lot that I did. <laughs> So I yeah, I've heard plenty of stories of like people in your position being dicks to drivers, and then like like I'm about to go on an interview, and like I flip <laughs> off the guy that's driving slow, and then I walk in, and guess who's interviewing me? 
yeah, luckily she we didn't end up getting on the same train. She went to like a business that shared a parking lot with the with the train parking lot. But and I wasn't I may may have ridden her ass a little bit in traffic, but I, I wasn't obnoxious. I didn't give her the finger, I didn't lay down on the horn, but I was I was definitely frustrated. And she was also going, you know, it was like a forty five mile an hour. She's doing 28 miles an hour and then she's doing 55 miles an hour i'm just like what the fuck is going on with you all right so uh, let's gabriella campo says like the reason why people don't break up with somebody even though feelings of failure that you might come off as a hard-hearted person because you might not uh, and others might not understand the reasons for leaving look but but the the most difficult breakups that i've dealt with were relationships that there a part of me didn't want to ruin and and you know i was happy with a lot of aspects of the relationship but I, I always put myself in this logical situation where I, I kept and I, I asked myself many times until probably my answer changed. Can I deal with this in 10 years? What will this be like in 10 years? Is this something I'm cool with now that's getting worse? Or is this something I'm cool with now, but after enough repetition, I'm not going to be cool with it in 10 years. And, you know, it, sometimes my stance on that has changed. I'm not going to be cool with it. Nothing's changed or it's going to get even worse in 10 years. Uh, but you know, but breakups are tough, man, because that the, a lot of times the relationship is your structure for life. You know, it's the person you see every day. It's, you know, I, I, I've been lucky enough to have lived with women where they, you know, help do cooking or do laundry or something like that, which I don't, I don't typically do very much of I, I may cook like a big meal once in a while, but I don't like to cook on a regular basis. And I don't do laundry. I'd rather pay to have it done. Um, but, you know, when, when you have a breakup like that, it, it's, it's very destructive to how your life is. You get used to this kind of cycle in, in repetition. So I've got a different answer, which is super logical. But oh, let me just let me just clarify. I wouldn't not break up with someone because of laundry or something like that. They were, those, were, <laughs> those, were, those, were, those were poor examples of how having someone else in your life. They were very poor examples. This is just the first thing that came to mind. But, but sorry, go ahead. So my answer is kind of a version of the sunk cost fallacy where that's a good one. Yeah. So the, the example I would use is if you're playing a game of poker and you start off and you've got your hand and the first round of betting, you're like, this is decent enough. I'll play it. And so you put in a hundred bucks and then the next round, like the next cards come out and you're like, all right, that's not great, but it's not terrible. So, and then the next round of betting, you have to answer a bet and the bets for 70 bucks. And you're like, well, I'm already in for a hundred and like, I still have a chance. So I'll pay 70. So now you're in for 170 next card comes out and you're just like, all right, that didn't really help me at all. And the bet comes in at 50 bucks. And you're like, well, I'm in for 150. What's another, like 170. What's another 50 bucks. I still have a chance. So you put in 50 bucks, but, but, and then, and so a relationship is like that where every like you get invested and you become less and less happy but at the same time like the investment you've already you've already got this sunken investment you've already got so much invested that you're like what's another 10 bucks i'm already a thousand bucks deep and i'm not talking monetary for the relationship i'm talking about just like i have to go this little extra step further to try and keep this relationship alive whereas if that had happened in the first week or whatever you're like i'm not doing that like, but what about people who are financially dependent on, on each other? Well, then you also have, yeah, like if you're in a relationship where like if you're living with someone and they're the one who's paying rent and you don't have the money to be able to afford living on your own, then you can get trapped in a relationship because you're financially dependent on somebody. Oh, that's oh. that's going to be terrible. But, but, but that's like that comes to like your values. Are you 35 years old living with somebody and you don't want to go and live with your parents or maybe rent a really shitty place for a little while. Um, but yeah, man, or go but you get can also, mates. you can also have, um, you can also have situations where your lives become entangled, where like if you're living with somebody and now you've got like a pet together and it's your pet and their pet. I, now that's, I, I, I hate this example, but you, you have a good point because some people get so tied. Like, so again, this isn't something that really appeals to either you or I, but we have to acknowledge the phenomenon. Well, I, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Uh, that's like uh, for many people, that's like their child. Well, and then there's also like if you're in a relationship and you got kids either with the person or 
the person had kids from before you and you you built a relationship with that kid and now the relationship's ending and you still love the kid and it's not the kid's fault that you're breaking up but now you're not going to see the kid anymore well but but that's part of life man well that's why i have a policy of not dating anybody that has, has kids but but no i mean that's you know like that's life you have to you you can't sacrifice total happiness in your life because really and it depends on how bad the relationship is if the relationship isn't an a plus you know five star relationship but it's good like really if you get out of this relationship are you going to end up in a better relationship that's what's a, the that's, angriest you've ever been in a relationship dude uh, don't ask me this for life <laughs> no I, but i don't I, I don't think i get that angry i just i've dealt with kind of some frustrating situations but i'll answer but hold on what my, my my thinking is just like it gets to my point where i'm like in 10 years is just something that either of us wants to be in and and oftentimes it's a kind of this mutual parting of ways because we're just not happy and it's and the compromise is too great on both sides to to find that happiness it's not an achievable happiness Sorry, go ahead. What's the angriest you've been in a relationship, James? I was accused of doing something that I didn't do, and she wouldn't hear anything of it. And I got so frustrated that she wouldn't believe me that I threw a chair like 15 feet across the room. Not at her, just across the room. It's just like, so, but I don't think that's very uncommon. I, and, and it's just, and that's a like, wild I, aspect of fucking relationships. Where, like, in no other aspect in life will you throw a chair. I mean, no. I may have in, in the office, but, uh, <laughs> dude. But what? I was that angry because, like, she wouldn't believe me. And there was no way, the way that she framed it was in such a way that there was no way that I could prove that I was right. It was, it, it, like, the question and the accusation were designed in such a way that it was impossible for me to refute it. Despite the fact that it didn't but, happen. But, th but those are the situations where sometimes you got to be like, peace. I got to take a walk around the block. Uh, you know, I haven't been drinking much lately, which is, which is you know, I, I, enjoy, I don't drink a lot. I enjoy, you know, have a frustrating morning. I'll go out, have a couple of beers at lunch, come back. And I'm not like getting obliterated with lunch, but it's a nice step out. Justin, you should read some of these comments. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> Justin seems like a pretty peaceful and mellow guy, uh, but one you wouldn't want to see angry. Uh, I, I get that. I can tell you also 25 years of marriage uh, and divorce happens because people change. Uh, and I get that. And that's, and that's what I was saying in putting things into perspective in 10 years, is this something you can deal with or in 10 years is that at, uh, is that aspect of the relationship or that whatever that person well, is doing, is that going to get worse? I kind of want to respond to the, the people change thing because I don't think it's realistic at all to start a relationship with somebody and them and expect them to be the same person in one, five, 10 or 25 years. It's were the changes commensurate with what would be reasonable. Well, yeah, yeah. I totally get that. Um, I don't know, but let me hit some of my notes here because you know, I want to talk about feelings and we're talking about relationships now. Yeah, but how, how is that unexpected? No, I, I get it. And, and I, I'm not saying we can't go back to it. Um, but yeah, I hit the point where when you argue with people, it needs to be a means towards a solution, not a fuck you. You're a bitch. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, it makes me think of a stand-up comedian. His line is like, you know, I'd get in fights with my girlfriend and like it would start off really, really tame or like, I really wish that you'd take the trash out. And then be like, well, I wish that you weren't a mama's boy and had a small dick. I'm like, whoa, we went there already? Like, guess I'll, guess I'll take the trash out. I'm really a little more concerned about this small dick thing. But that's the shit. Like, that's so fucked up with, with, with people. They say these hurtful things in relationships. If you're that, if you're that type, type of person who argues like that, like you are the one with the problem. You can't. That's a relationship that needs to end. Like you need to fix that shit, man. And it's, it's uh, John Caparulo for those who are listening. Okay. Um, Just got to give credit where it is. Yeah. But like I have agents that when something doesn't go their way, they criticize me and they get really upset with like my management style or something like that. I'm like, bro, like that's fucking life, dude. Like that's, 
you know, like why are you, nothing's changed for me day to day. It's just something didn't go your way and now you're mad. Um, well, people but, don't want to take responsibility for their failings. Or for other people's failings when those other people are in their charge. That was another aspect of the argument this morning is there was someone who did something wrong and I went to their supervisor who was like, this isn't my problem. And I was like, wait a second, it's my problem. Like I had nothing to do with this. I'm frustrated because I let you go far enough that you could let this go and it happened. So even yeah. though I, I didn't do anything, I'm taking 100% responsibility. I'm asking for more than 0% responsibility from you. That doesn't make much sense. Like if you're, if you're someone who's like supervising somebody else and like they screw up, then like it's on you to fix it. Like when, well, I'm, I'm, when I'm in the office, dude, like I've got a couple people that help me out with some bookkeeping projects and then I'll go over them. And then like, I'm the one who prepares the return and everything else. So if the return comes back really bad or something, and one of the partners says, Hey, why did this get screwed up? I'll be like, well, the intern did the bookkeeping for me and I trusted it. And they're like, you didn't look at it. Well, that's my point. And, and if that return gets back to the client or the fact that you know, if it continues to happen, that's now on the partner. Right. Right. So the partner acknowledges that everything that happens in his charge is to a degree his responsibility and to 100 percent his responsibility, because at the end of the day, it all falls on him. So, right. But and so it all comes down to how much does the partner trust me? And I have to recognize that I'm being trusted a certain amount. And the work that I do has to be in line with the amount of trust I'm given. And so if I screw up, it needs to be something that is basically at a level above my head. Anything below my head, I'm responsible for and knowing what the expectations are. But it's if I've got somebody else who's doing who in the office who's helping me with work and they screw something up, it's my job to catch it. If it's something that I'm expected to catch, if it were my own work, would that be an acceptable mistake to me for me to make? that's that's how I look at it and that's where I got frustrated today because you know I did well it was more of like a conditioning thing and the agent thought something could slide that you know could have in most cases but it's just something that like a solid agent wouldn't let slide and it needs to be tuned up and the fact that rather than acknowledging that yeah you're right we shouldn't have said that we shouldn't have let it slide it does need to be tuned up they're like, well, you know, the market's slow anyways right now. That's how it should be. That you right, know, no. it should be okay. But it's it's not. That's not a cool answer, and that's and that's where I got frustrated as well. Yo, I like this. Uh, I like this comment. The first nine months of seeing someone, you aren't seeing the real person, but their representative salesperson. <laughs> their representative salesperson. I like that uh, a lot. But no, I, I, I definitely think I, I will. And I don't, I think nine months is kind of a weird, arbitrary. It's number. kind of a long time. I'd say like two or three months, it, but it, you know, it really, it, that also depends. Um, yeah, it depends on how much your time you're spending with them, how often you're seeing them, the context in which you're seeing them. Um, so uh, let's see. what I, I, I don't know. I like that analogy. It's good. So it also on the, your feel so uh, here's my next note is that on your feelings aren't important is that your feelings are very important to you but you have to understand that they're not half as important to anyone else they're not even a fraction of that as important to anybody else and if you expect everybody else to be taking your feelings into account you you're you you might as well be walking around with a blindfold on and well, expecting you're just being people to step out of But yeah, I mean, if, if, if you're, people aren't going to tiptoe around your feelings in real life. This isn't kindergarten. And if your feelings get hurt, like, that's life, man. And we're spending so much time coddling everybody, which is why we're having these generations of just weaker and weaker people. And I actually, I have a theory that we're going to have a super weak generation because the previous generation did a really good job parenting you know that kids didn't go through much adversity and everybody feels super entitled now back in my day we had to walk to school 10 miles uphill both ways dude i think we had a great like in retrospect i think i had a you know a great upbringing and obviously we dealt with certain types of adversity growing up but 
you know, I still think generally, like, we got pretty lucky. Oh, I, yeah, for sure. So, um, but yeah, just to reiterate, don't expect people to value your feelings uh, the way that you do. Um, okay, another question. All right. What's, what's the what's the funniest emotion? In 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 what context? No context. What's the what's the most humorous emotion? Probably confusion. Other people's confusion. <laughs> <laughs> Very frustrating when you're confused. <laughs> Sometimes it's funny when you're confused, though. <laughs> well, it can be, especially especially in retrospect. I actually uh, think that anger is the funniest emotion because really? when you see, yeah, because anger is by definition irrational, like irrational anger. Like, think about how many comedians that you watch where like they're expressing anger at something that, when you think about it, is completely unbased. But well, it's something that you should be. That is just a norm normality, but it's a frustrating thing that you're. Yeah, that's the shit that I get angry about. I get really upset, and really pissed, really fucking fast about little shit. But like the big shit, I just hit like full zen for the most part, and I'm like, all right, I need to come up with a logical solution to deal with this for the heavy stuff. The yeah. little shit, like people driving slow, or you know. Uh, people trying to put fucking bananas in my protein shake. Every time I, I order a protein shake, they try to put a fucking banana in there. I said, I, I didn't ask for banana. Oftentimes, when I order the shake, I say no banana. And they're like, banana? I'm like, no, no banana. It, that's the shit that drives me nuts. Um, oh, invalidating someone's feelings is an easy way to make them feel alone. And that's when everything goes downhill. Ooh, I have notes. I have notes on that. I have uh, embracing feelings. Emotional invalidation, rejecting a person's thoughts or feelings, or judging them on their thoughts and feelings. And, but that's, that's where I want to back up that if you're expecting people to take your feelings into account, it's one thing if it's someone you're in a romantic relationship with. I think, I think you should expect more on an emotional level and a higher level of emotional understanding for someone that you share romantic space with. <laughs> what? The funniest emotion is being angry and horny at the same time. Dude, I, 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 I let me get back to the emotion. I don't know how that. I don't know how you pull that off. People hate fuck each other all the time. I guess I don't know. That's not something. It's not. I, I, I can't get there. Um. <laughs> but but no, let me get back to the emotional invalidation because because I really I want to harp on that on that for a minute. Just about. Uh, if you're expecting other people to validate your emotions. And I think, you know, I just, I don't think that's, think about when you watch people in public experiencing high levels of emotion, whether it's anger or confusion, um, you know, or, or all these Karens, uh, you know, with iPhones pointed at them, their emotions are not being validated by anybody. And, and it's very frustrating for them, but, you know, so I don't know what your reaction is, but whenever I see someone that's super emotional in public, I want to be as far away as possible. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. Um, a comment was, how are, how old are these people you have in your office? They sound like kindergarten. I, that's, I often, I, I have a guy in my office, he's probably in his 60s. And I, I told him yesterday, I said, look, I don't want you to think I'm being condescending. Um but and just remember that this isn't a third grade classroom. So I'm not here to navigate around your feelings or emotions, but I'm here to point out stupid shit when you do it. So I want to preface with that. And I have a lot of conversations where I preface with, this isn't a third grade classroom, so don't get offended. Just take it for what it is. And then him and I had a very kind of eye to eye conversation about me explaining to him how the emails that he's sending don't seem to make very much sense. And when people receive the emails that, you know, that he effectively, he needs to tune up his, his writing skills. And he's somebody who obviously can write because he was probably trained much, much better at writing, you know, than anybody in the current generation. Um, but oftentimes I feel like I'm just dealing with a bunch of middle schoolers. And I, I think people just naturally, adults naturally don't get along. I think, I think a lot of people just naturally don't get along. Look at, you know, ask yourself 
how many close friends you have and how many close friends you've lost because of issues. I think probably those numbers are, they fluctuate more on the, on the women end of things, but you know, people don't get along, man. And that's, well, I think that most people find that as they get older, maintaining a high number of relationships becomes increasingly taxing. So people naturally kind of just pare down their social relationships to smaller and smaller numbers. I, I completely agree with that. But also a lot of times shit happens and people push each other away. Yeah, but... But shit's bound to happen. And, and rather than just cutting people off, like, I think the more friends that you have, like, the higher value of a life that you have. I disagree. I think that having a high number of friends is meaningless. It's Well, I, I mean, I, I, I will agree with you that a high quantity of friends doesn't make you a more valuable person, especially if they're not close friends. And it's, it's impossible to have a thousand or even a hundred super close friends. I get that. I get that. Okay. But, but I'm just saying that like, if you, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm, it's just frustrating to see people push each other away as adults because of misunderstandings and just emotional well, bullshit. Sometimes, sometimes it's temporary. Like the Derv who I'm super close with, there was a period of time where I didn't really talk to him at all because he was dating somebody that I couldn't stand. And I even told him, I was like, I can't be, a, I can't go to your place because she's there and I don't want to be around her. So I kind of pushed him away because I couldn't stand his girlfriend. And then once, like literally the minute he broke up with her, I was there for him. So. Yeah. Well, but, but exactly, but, but that's, that's a good friend. You were, you were a good friend the whole time, but you had to back off and you know, I have that going on with a, with another friend. I'm not going to name any names. I'm just like, dude, you, 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 you came to me asking you not to do the dumb shit in terms of dating. And now you're doing that. And I have to step back because my duty to you as a friend is to have your back and, and, you know, try to align you with positive things. And you're asking me to get involved in, in this relationship. And it's not. Does the, the female do choreography? I something along those lines, <laughs> but <laughs> that's another conversation not happening, not happening here. Um, all right, let me see. Okay, what about people that are depressed? We're going through rough times emotionally. Um, how do they fix that? Well, depends on two things. One, is it kind of acute depression where something shitty happened and you're, you're processing it or is this more of like a pervasive and clinical depression? Um, well, people that end- are up in their feelings all the time, you know, and, and constantly I'm, I'm kind of getting at somebody and I'll let you answer both sides of that if you want. Um, but I'm getting at somebody that's constantly getting frustrated that they're feeling they're having negative feelings and, and, they're, and they're not being validated by others. Okay. So I think in the case where if you're having negative feelings and they're not being validated by others, and this is a conversation I've had with some people in my life that getting validation through others is doomed to failure that you're never going to be able to get the validation that you want through others. You need to find a way of achieving internal validation and getting the approval of others is impossible to achieve consistently. And the only way that you're going to really be able to do that is by surrounding yourself with yes men. And you, and that means that you're never going to have a check on whether or not you're, you're doing things correctly. So, External validation fails. Internal validation can also fail because it can lead to rationalization of all behavior, right or wrong. So there has to be kind of a mix where you need to have somebody in your life, and it can either be a trusted family member, a close friend, or for, for those who have the resource available, a therapist, 
that can provide kind of an unbiased but supportive outlook as to where you actually stand. And you need to have enough of a trust in them to take what they say to you and and actually implement it. Well, and that's, that, that's, that's where good therapy comes in, is being able therapy. to get that kind of feedback of, are you val- like, are these feelings valid? And if so, what should you do to act on them? Or if these feelings are invalid, what's the cause of that? In like, what, what's the etiology of this incorrect thinking that's causing you to have these feelings and how can we correct it? So right. that's the answer there is that you need to have somebody that you trust that can provide feedback to you about whether or not you are justified in your emotions. Now, for people that are suffering from longer-term depression or hang on, whatever... Hang on, hang on one second, though, because I, I just want to double down on that, is where I was talking about my friend who, who basically came to me asking me for that advice. I gave it, and then they didn't follow that advice and is now asking for my cooperation in them taking the opposite advice. I'm, I'm not interested. Right, no, in, no, no, no. Yeah. I gave you my advice. You chose to ignore it. Now you're complaining that I, things didn't work out. I, I, didn't I'm not just give, I didn't just give my advice. My advice was solicited and begged. So. Right, right, right. Um, I can think of another friend of ours that's a mutual friend that asked for advice consider, consistently that would then never take it. And I got to the point where when he asked me for advice, I was just like, I'm not even bothering. I'm not going to waste the time because you don't listen to what I have to say anyways. The last couple of times that you asked me for advice, I've given it, been proven right. And then you complain because, yeah. so. <laughs> exactly. All right, so. so And you know who I'm talking about. I know you're talking about. So, so get on with the uh, longer term depression. That's a much more difficult question to solve well, because the. Well, this, the is, this, is where of, I, this is where I think logical action needs to take place. And my note on that. Was, doesn't work that way. So, sure, but but you you have you have two options. You either have to you have to fix it with internal logic on your own, or you take drugs. But it's it's a really difficult hole to get out of, and you either need to figure out what's going to make you happy, and then take regular action towards that goal, or you have to figure out what's causing you grief, and take regular action to get that aspect out of your life. So but, here's the problem, because. What you're saying is very logical, but it's missing one really key aspect, which is if you get into a deep enough depression, the question of what makes me happy becomes nothing. Nothing makes me happy. I don't know how to find happiness. Well, but then you need to but then you need to figure out what's causing you that stress. So second answer is the question of what is causing to be me to be me to be unhappy? is going to be either I can't figure it out, I don't know what makes me unhappy, I just am, or it's literally everything makes me unhappy. Well, and, and that's that requires some real psychoanalysis and possibly drugs. But I think, I think a lot of people think that they're in that position and they're in a solvable solution. Or a lot of times there's an aspect of laziness, laziness. You know, people have to be proactive in terms of doing things. And a lot of times, I just, I mean, I'm super proactive. And when I'm not, I feel really guilty and I get really anxious. Well, and I want to answer this comment and you're going to be the one. I'm going to ask you this question. So Gabriella asks, um, I think this is uh, your friend who, whose significant other does choreography. Um, is this a logically thinking friend or someone who understands emotions better? This is a friend that's not, well, he's actually, he's probably ask, acting on emotions. Right now, but does he normally think logically? I would say yes. I would, I would also think yes as well. So, um, very frustrating for me. Um, all right, I, I lost my train of thought. I was just talking about depression, well, and, and and to me, I think I think a lot of depression. There's a reason why exercise is a, is a great solution for depression often. And a lot of times it's just action. And obviously exercise is good for hormones and chemicals in your brain, but also just if you're, if it's, it's in my opinion, the act of taking action that is going to help you take additional actions in your life. So if you're going out for a jog or you're going out to the gym versus sitting at home doing nothing, it's, it's the taking the initiative and taking action that's putting you in the right direction, but it's the inaction that's keeping you in that depression. 
the problem the problem is when when you get to a deep enough point that the simple act of trying to go out for a jog or something feels like an insurmountable hurdle. Well, sure, but you've gotten to that point. So if you're in that point, you need professional help. But for a lot of people who think they're at that point, probably they're not. And there are things that they should be doing. But there's, I have this conversation with agents all the time. Agents will come to me and they'll, they'll tell me what's going on with their deal. And I said, look, when you're driving on the road and it's bad weather, I can help t- give you some tips to keep your car on the road. All right. But when you're doing 80 miles an hour and you're already off the side of the road and it's covered in ice and you're aiming towards a tree, I can't stop your car from hitting the tree, man. Like it's you're too late into it. So I'm here to help you. But at a certain point when you're past that, like you just got to own it, man. Like and if that's seeking professional help, that's seeking professional help. But you know, obviously there's certain major chemical imbalances and situations that people are in that require you know, like severe drug addiction. I can't just tell you, go, go, go for a jog. And then the next day go for a jog and, and may, do a puzzle or some shit and your life's going to get better. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Like I would say that in my adult life, I've only been severely depressed once and it was for a very f- short period of time. And you actually were a part of this. If you remember about five years ago when I flew up to New York. Mm-hmm. So about yep. two days before that, not going into the precipitating events, you know, but I don't need to share them. Yeah. Um, Cause like I flew up on a Sunday. I remember that Friday I had like one thing to do that day, which was to drop off a resume at a place. And I didn't have anything else to do. And like, I was so depressed. I couldn't do anything. I was like on the computer and like, I would reason, I would try and like read a news article or play a video game or whatever. And as soon as I started doing any of those things, I would just be like angry and I wouldn't be able to focus even things that normally distract me and make me feel good, like playing a video game or like whatever I couldn't focus on. Like I was just, and so I eventually was able to get myself out of the apartment and drive and drop off the resume to something. But the amount of effort it took for me to put myself together professionally, get in the car, drive three miles and give a resume to a stranger and then drive back it felt like I was training for a marathon. I, I, I fully believe that. And I have been in some pretty deep and dark places. I get that. Um, you know, but I've also been in some bad places too, like uh, where I have to be public and show face on a regular basis. And that's really tough too. Um, but yeah, I mean, depression is no joke. So if you're listening to us and you have depression or you know somebody who has depression, there's, there's, I don't know what they are, but I know there's professional resources out there. Um, we'll see if we can get Rosh to send some links. And if you're watching this on YouTube or you're watching it. Let's close, on, uh, let's close with this comment because. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll throw some links and resources out there for like you. Amex, who's, who's had some pretty quality comments tonight, said, coming someone who suffered from depression, the only people who can truly help us are ourselves and no one else can help us get out of there, which I think is true. But. That, that's not to say that if you're depressed, you can't rely on people that are close to you to give you a hand up. No, I, I, I definitely think I, you have a very good point there. It was like that five years ago thing. Like I flew into Newark Air, uh, Newburgh Airport, and I oh, remember God. you drove up and picked me up at the airport, and we had drinks at your apartment in Manhattan. And we talked about things. And then, like, I took your Porsche up to Albany and had a couple of days there. But, like, you coming out to help me out and giving me a place to stay for a night, my family being there, and, like, you letting me borrow your car and everything. By the time I got back to Charleston, it was only, like, three days. But by the time I got back to Charleston, I wasn't completely out of it. But I was back to the point where I was, like, I can face life again. And if it weren't for help that you gave me and my family gave me, I don't know what would have happened. Not like I wouldn't have committed suicide, no, but no, it would have taken a lot longer you, for me to snap out of it. It probably would have taken longer. And I, I remember that well. And in that moment, I was very happy to be your friend and happy that you came up and actually took some action to do something about it. And, I was and it had a ha- huge impact. It really well, did. I was happy to have a Porsche to loan you for the weekend too. That was nice. Um, maybe, maybe, a maybe a triumph TR, TR three or Spitfire in the future. Um, but we got to run cause we're hitting, uh, we are hitting our time limit right here. Uh, James, I will catch up with you on the next episode. 
Thank you guys so much for joining. If you guys are watching us live, please go to YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, go to the audio podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your audio podcast, and just subscribe. Even if you don't listen to us, subscribe. It's going to help us out. And no, if you we do had, listen to I us, want to give the shout outs to the commenters. We had some really good comments tonight. Um, Gabriella, Stars and Stripes, Amex. Um, those, yeah, Amex had some really good ones. And congrats to you for losing uh, the 50 pounds and snapping out of the depression, man. Yeah, that that was uh, – we got some good comments here. So we're going to continue to monitor the comments. If you guys do watch post-production YouTube or you're listening on the audio podcast, shoot me a DM, make some comments. Let me know what you want to hear about. Give us your feedback because we really do thrive on that. Uh, but on that note, I will catch everyone later. James, I'll talk to you soon. Adios. Peace. All right, that's it. That is the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. If you have not already, please subscribe. Uh, and thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening, watching, and joining our lives. I appreciate every one of you. I truly do. And I try really hard to catch up on all the messages. So thank you for that. I'll see you guys next time. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.